Hello, and welcome back to the Isikos podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lyman, with my co-host, Dr. Robert Marks, joining me from New York. And in this episode, we'll be talking about the 2022 Volume 2 Isikos newsletter, which uh, you should already have in your possession, or you can find it online. And as always, it's chock full of interesting information and some, I think, useful clinical information, as well as uh, some nice stories. How are you, Dr. Marks? Doing very well, thanks. How are you? Good. Nice to see you as always. Uh, always nice to catch up with you. And exactly. so in this uh, issue, I guess the big news is that our journal editor has decided to retire as editor-in-chief, the founding editor of the Journal of Isikos, or Jisikos, Nick Van Dyke, has decided to uh, step down and wrote a nice uh, farewell note to Issacos members in the in the journal. As a uh, founding statistics editor, I worked closely with Nick as we were getting the journal off the ground. And it was it was a learning experience for me. It's the first time I'd worked so closely on a newly released journal uh, with, with the editor-in-chief. So uh, congrats to Nick and hope he enjoys his extra time, his free time. Yeah, I think he did uh, an incredible job. I mean, that's, I can't even imagine being the um, editor-in-chief for a, a brand new journal. Uh, it's really a, uh, a pretty daunting task. And I think he did uh, an incredible job taking it from essentially nothing where we're just getting, you know, basic, you know, begging for review articles to where there's actually some really interesting uh, peer-reviewed uh, original research now. and. Um, it's it's moved along in a really good direction towards um, towards becoming a, a a journal where it's no longer sort of the uh, the last resort for for peer reviewed research, but it's it's becoming more interesting, and uh, I think he um, uh, deserves a, a lot of the uh, thanks for for getting it there and really uh, pushing the journal uh, along the way he did. Absolutely. It began as a uh, journal for review articles, and it's now moved to original research. So if you're looking for some place to submit your work, either as review articles or original research, I think it's a, a great option. I actually have a couple of manuscripts in preparation now that I'm planning to submit to the journal. Same here. Great. And we have, I think, really good news. Isikos is coming back to in-person meetings after a pretty long hiatus. What do we have coming forward? Yeah, well, there's there's a couple of meetings. There's one um, in October 2022 in Chile, which is a knee arthroplasty meeting. It's the first uh, Isikos conference in a uh, even number year. So Isikos is every other year uh, in odd number years. And uh, this is the first one focusing on knee arthroplasty, kind of going back to our roots. Isikos was a uh, combination of the uh, International Arthroscopy Association and the um, um, International Society um, Knee Surgery Arthroplasty uh, and Arthroplasty Society, and they were combined. And uh, Isikos has become more of a sports society with, with arthroplasty still being part of Isikos. But um, in this meeting, since the society is so big and there's so many members that do uh, a lot of knee arthroplasty, um, the society has decided to uh, have a meeting totally focusing on arthroplasty. And uh, David Figueroa is the local host in uh, Chile. And uh, Willem van der Merwe, our um, uh, past president, will be uh, uh, hosting with him. And there's a lot of great international faculty there. 
In addition, uh, of course, our uh, biannual meeting will be in the odd number year coming up, 2023, and it'll be in Boston and it'll be in person. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I, I put in my in, in this newsletter how uh, I recently attended my first um, in-person uh, international congress uh, in, um, in uh, Colombia, in Cartagena, the SLARD meeting in uh, March, and more recently, the AOSSM meeting in um, Colorado. And um, I really, uh, you know, you kind of forget how much you enjoy uh, these meetings sometimes. And being back in person, uh, especially in Colombia, which was, you know, more of an international meeting, at least for me, um, it was really, uh, really fantastic, really special to be uh, in that environment with international colleagues and getting different uh, points of view and hearing from people from different countries all around South America and the world. Uh, and uh, that's why I love Issacos so much, because you get the same. So really looking forward to in-person. Um, uh, being back in person, I realized how much I, I missed it. Yeah, I, I can't wait to get back to an international conference myself. I haven't yet done that. So uh, definitely something I look forward to in the future. With this uh, knee arthroplasty uh, congress, is that going to become a regular event? Uh, I think it, it's to be determined. You know, it's the first one. So it's uh, we'll see how it goes. And, um, you know, I'm not the uh, ultimate decision maker. But I think if it goes well, it certainly possibly uh, could be something that uh, uh, people are interested in doing, in, in hearing, and, and we get a good turnout. It, it certainly could be, I would suspect. That's great to hear. I think uh, there's certainly an interest. And as my own research career has moved toward uh, predominantly arthroplasty research, it'll be nice to be able to uh, submit to that Congress in the future and hopefully be able to present. So moving on, under current concepts, we actually had a very nice uh, piece on Wanting to be a Mentor by Claudia Arias and Tanya Soledad Alvarado Chavez uh, from Peru and Ecuador, respectively, and really about how to develop yourself as a mentor and what the benefits are of being a mentor. And I think it's really nice to see this coming from a couple of our female surgeon colleagues, uh, really embracing the concept and working toward uh, mentorship, which I know for you and I both has been an important part of our own careers. Yeah, I think especially for uh, female orthopedic surgeons, it's been uh, probably challenging over the years that the traditional number is 6% of orthopedic surgeons are female, at least in North America. It's a very small minority. I do believe that's changing. At least it seems to be based on our numbers of residents and fellows who are female. And uh, Isakos has recognized this and established a gender diversity task force to um, uh, improve uh, the experience and the number of uh, females um, participating in Isakos. And uh, I think that um, it's always easier, um, I think, to be mentored by someone who is similar to you or maybe who you can uh, uh, more easily identify with. And I think this holds true for uh, female orthopedic surgeons. And um, I think this article uh, nicely sums up, sums up that issue. That's right. And I think it gives really nice sense of what, uh, what to plan to do if you're becoming a mentor and also what to expect if you're being mentored. So really nice uh, piece there for anybody that's interested in that. There were a number, number of clinical uh, submissions, but I think maybe we can uh, let people find those for themselves. I guess the one that I'm somewhat curious about just from my personal experience is uh, return to play after all arthroscopic shoulder stabilization as somebody who injured my shoulder actually had bank cart repair. Uh, 
started arthroscopically ended open uh but it uh return to play was my goal it was it was a challenge and i'm i'm, I'm assuming that things have evolved over the last couple of decades but uh well it's funny because we've both had uh, shoulder stabilizations both you and i um quite a few years back now and uh both returned uh to our uh, recreational sports uh successfully thankfully so uh, maybe led us both to our uh, interest in sports medicine. Uh, but um, I think returning to play after an operation uh, such as that, where recurrence is always a worry, uh, is uh, an issue. And generally longer is, is generally better for, for an operation for, for safety, but uh, how long is, is long enough? And, and I think the authors point out some important uh, issues um, and uh, points regarding how to manage this. Yeah, and that's a great point. I, when I injured my shoulder, I was playing uh, amateur competitive soccer, league soccer, and I, I retired after surgery. I wasn't going to risk going back and injuring myself again. I was able to continue playing soccer, but I did it at a much lower level, much more recreational. And uh, and I have been able to go back to other sports, which I enjoyed, but I injured my non-dominant shoulder. So it was never an issue for throwing, but I, don't, I can't imagine throwing with my shoulder even today. So I don't know if it's different for, for throwing sports or overhead sports. Oh, I think it definitely is, but it, I think it, there's a lot of factors in terms of uh, what operation, uh, what sport it is, um, but definitely getting, you know, throwing, you get up into that apprehension position following a, an anterior stabilization. And um, it's it's uh, definitely uh, you know one of the, the one of the higher risk things uh, that you can do outside of contact sports for sure. Right, right. That that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think a final piece we'd like to talk about is an interesting current concept entitled digital transformation. Do we already benefit from this in orthopedics uh, by Court and colleagues? And there's been so much, such a huge transformation in uh, in the use of digital technology globally in all sorts of areas. And so it's interesting to see this laid out in how it's now used in, in medicine, and especially in orthopedics, when we're now talking about uh, robotic-assisted surgeries, and uh, we, we now can use apps and things like that, smartphones, or even wearable technologies to track patients after surgery to see how they're recovering. Really interesting use cases for digital technology in in orthopedics. I think definitely worth a read if you're interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a very broad field, and um, there's many uh, applications, as you say, from apps to track uh, mobility and and activity to intraoperative use of of uh, digital technology, and uh, in imaging, of course and uh, artificial intelligence to measure parameters on imaging. So it's really uh, sort of a very broad field. And I applaud the authors and uh, the senior author, Nick Budiparama, for uh, um, tackling this. Yes, certainly a worthwhile piece, I think, for Issacos uh, readers or members. And I guess the last thing to touch on is there was a really nice piece in the awards and fellowships reports. This is a little bit different than how it normally is structured. Typically, we find out who the award winners are and, and what their studies were and that sort of thing. This was actually a look back. This was the impact of an Isakos Award in which the 1984 John Joyce Award winner, Gregory Keane, was interviewed about how that award affected his future career. And as somebody who's a fan of history and was has only been involved with Isakos in the relatively recent past, I didn't really know some of this history. So it was nice to be able to read about these, I guess, really 
giants in the field that came before us. Yeah, I think uh, this is a great example of how um, uh, these traveling fellowships sponsored by Issacos um, can really have a lasting impact on, uh, on people's careers by introducing them to other traveling fellows who they will, will be their colleagues and friends for, for many years, but also having them meet people on their travels who um, can help them in their careers and who will also become uh, friends and colleagues. So it's sort of like a, a, a kickstart to, to people's uh, international uh, academic careers in orthopedics and sports medicine. And um, I think, um, you know, Isakos is very proud of being able to do that and sponsor these um, traveling fellowships to initiate uh, people uh, to Isakos and to some of their future colleagues at an early stage in their career. Yeah, no question. The connections that I've made through Isakos uh, with other members around the world has just been a tremendous uh, benefit to my, my own career and my ability to do the research that I do and the people that I do that research with. So it's uh, extremely rewarding. So definitely recommend that people get more involved, uh, attend the annual meetings or the biannual meetings, you know, make, make the time and take the trip if you're able. It's really, really worth it for sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And that's why I think that the fellowship, you know, for, for us, we've been involved for, you know, um, 20 years and, and, and you know, um, going to meetings and, and, and it takes time to develop those relationships. But by doing the traveling fellowship, you almost can advance and, and get five or 10 years worth done in, in a single uh, span of, of a few weeks traveling. That's a that's a great point. Not something I've had the opportunity to experience. That's they don't let me in the operating room except for as a patient. But uh, yeah, apply for the fellowships if it's something you're interested in. It it's certainly worthwhile. And I think that pretty much wraps up our overview of the Isakos newsletter volume two for 2022. Uh, please have a look for yourself. There are a number of other interesting clinical reports uh, that you can read at your leisure if you have interest and. Uh, Dr. Marks, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, and I hope uh, everyone enjoys the newsletter. Great. Well, thank you all very much for listening to the Isakos podcast. I've been your host, Stephen Lyman, with Dr. Robert Marks, and we'll talk to you next time.